Today's episode of the Westworld Theorycast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Head on over to CuffLinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order. No minimum, baby. CuffLinks has everything you need to look good when you step out into the world. The world is opening up. You need to look good. You're going to events. You're going to weddings. You're going to parties. And you know what? You need to head on over to cufflinks.com and accessorize, baby. They got everything you need, and there's always specials. Just check the front page. Go on over to cufflinks.com now. Use code DVR20 and save. Thank you, Cufflinks. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Westworld Theorycast Cleanup Textile. We're coming together to close out the week. My name's Gina, my co-hosts are Brett and Jenny, and we have a very special guest today. Axel's gonna be joining us for a while. So we're the cleanup techs, we round up the trash, the missed pieces, anything left undiscussed, or perhaps things we thought people just got wrong. Um, But we're gonna tidy things up as best we can. And today we will be discussing Westworld season four, episode seven, Metonia. At least that's how I'm saying it. How's everyone doing today? Jenny, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? (laughs) Brett, what's up? Just really excited about watching this finale and two days and counting right now. So just but also, obviously, I I really want to dig into this uh, episode seven first. Yeah, just uh, really excited. So Axel. Thanks for crashing the party. What, what's on your mind today? Oh, well, thanks for having me. This is my favorite podcast, and now I get to be on it. I I, I love Aww. you all. You have we seriously, you, you really have been kicking ass this season, and I think you all work so well as a team, and you're just always kind to each other and and laughing and having fun. And I love listening to the show besides all the amazing theories and ideas and all the crazy stuff you remember that I can't remember and all the great names that you come up with that I then forget to use seven days later when we record. (laughs) Um, So I always feel like, um, let me tell you, every time this season when we have stopped recording within the first five, 10 minutes of when Andy and I or whoever are talking after, I always say like, oh, man, I forgot to mention something that the cleanup tech said or some name uh, that Gina or Jenny invented. Um, But uh, I'm just really happy to be here and I can't wait to talk about this episode. So congrats on a great season, y'all. Thank you very much, Axel. Thank you. So, okay, as we kind of fell into a nice rhythm of doing this, we're going to do it again. We're going to start with one of Brett's pedantic questions of the day. So, Brett, take it away. I actually have two uh, pedantic questions this time, and I don't want to spend too much time on them. They may be uh, complaints or or it could be that I'm just missing something, but here we go. So Bernard told Stubbs, go left at the fork. I believe those were his last words, actually. So at the intersecting hallways, we see Christina and Teddy come from the right. Shortly after walking out of that room where Caleb was, but Stubbs and Frankie go to the left to a room where Caleb is. So I was confused about that. These, 
if these two directions end up going to the same room, uh, why was it so important for Stubbs to, to go left at the fork? What am I missing? <laughs> I don't know. I never knew. Whenever someone says something like that, I'm always like, which one? <laughs> which fork? Which, yeah, which fork? Like everywhere you go, you could go left right. or right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, there was so many. Like, I don't know all the spaces yeah. in there. And I was not paying enough attention to notice that, you know, they were in the same exact spot going different directions, Brett. So good catch on you. But when I was thinking about that, um, I don't know if there was much relevance to Bernard telling him to go to the left other than maybe Bernard or Bernard as uh, <laughs> Maeve kept Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> uh, perhaps he knows from the other iterations that if Stubbs goes right, the plan is certainly doomed. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, it could be something more, but beyond that, I really didn't have any thoughts. Okay, I'll just roll with that because it could have saved him like a minute or something, and that could have been a very. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, but how about this? How about he was just he just was in that case and throughout the season too he's just been messing with him like when right like when he <laughs> acted like has. yeah like he acted like Stubbs was gonna die but really bernard was worried that he was gonna die so right? i don't so, know that i actually i don't know if he was fucking with Stubbs so much there i actually think that uh when when he let him believe that Stubbs was going to die I think that maybe he knew that Stubbs wouldn't allow him to go on with his plan the way he was if he thought it was going to be Bernard because he values Bernard and didn't Bernard program him so that he would save him yeah he did. yeah you're absolutely so right Jenny if yeah. Bernard programmed him to save him then uh he would know that Stubbs would try to save him so he lets Stubbs believe that Stubbs is the one that's going to not make it that yes. that's right. what I thought <laughs> yeah, I agree it's, it's a part of the plan that, that he not know that yeah. yeah yeah I agree too all right well my pedantic question number two is actually from that same uh, Bernard Stubbs conversation because when Stubbs infers that he's he's going to die he says I waited 23 years for this to me, that implies that it's been 23 years since Bernard left him in that bathtub to go off to the sublime, or perhaps 23 years since he woke him up in Westworld, which is, you know, around the same time, which lines up with the Rehoboam projection that calls for a population collapse in 23 years, which could be what we're witnessing right now. And it would mean that Frankie is about 23 years old, etc. So all that makes sense. Except Hale told Caleb that it had been 23 years since he died in the park. So that just doesn't add up to me. And I, I don't know if this is an oversight or, hmm. or what. But Well, but that was the same year. I think that was approximately the same year, though, Brett. So I think it's no, because no. when Caleb died, his daughter was seven years old already. So it was seven years beyond the decommissioning of Rehoboam and the Bernard going off into the sublime. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're right. You're right. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought we were talking about, I thought you were making reference to Bernard waking up 
And um, right. Okay. That, I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. If it's within a year or so, I, that's fine. But this is like a seven year difference. It's either 23 years or 30 right. years. And right. she had said, if she had told Caleb, it has been 16 years since you died in the park, then I wouldn't even question anything. That makes sense. But mm -hmm. now, now I'm like, unnecessary. I thought this question was answered. And now I'm like questioning it again. Oh, I get what you're trying to. Okay. Yeah. That was a little confused. I see what you're saying because I, Bernard I went to sleep. Bernard went to sleep and he was asleep for 23 years. But in that intervening time, seven years after he went to sleep should be when approximately when Caleb died. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's actually true. So I don't know if I was missing something, if y'all had any insight or if it's just one of, the, one of those things I just need to let go because. Yeah, it might just be an oversight <laughs> yeah. or it might mean something, but I follow you completely. If, if it means something, then it's a question that I didn't even realize that we needed to be asking. Like it's another question. that. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I actually wondered that too. When Stubbs said that, I was like, wait, 23 years. <laughs> So we can move on, though. Those, those are very pedantic questions. Oh, the other thing I was going to say, though, Brett, he could have just been talking about his whole like his whole his journey here. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of added the other years to it. Well, but it would have been 30 years instead of 23. Yeah. Well, that's true. And then I'm so bad with math. <laughs> and then even are we recording one o'clock or four o'clock what time is it <laughs> is this east coast or west coast oh you're Axel, right Brett. i this is totally a totally different subject but it is uh from the early scenes of this episode but i'm so glad you're here axel because i get to tell you this quote unquote in person I finally had a momentary thought that we were about to go to space in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I knew that you would like that. <laughs> yeah. This show is going to outer space. But when to. at the beginning, when Bernard tells Akacheta in the opening series of scenes that yes, he has seen how it ends, the scene cuts to the sky, and I was fully expecting to see a spaceship soaring yeah. by just for a split <laughs> second. So I had to I share that. Some of that have been, yeah. <laughs> One anyway. thing I noticed about that scene where it showed the sky, the letterbox mm -hmm. was going from standard, from letterbox back to standard. It was expanding. It was hard mm -hmm. for me to notice the first time. Yeah. But between those two scenes, the 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 writers are clearly indicating that what is happening from this point forward is real. Like you don't have to worry about whether it's another iteration in the sublime or not. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting because I know last season they did the opposite concept where May, when Maeve realized she was in a simulation, it shrunk from standard to letterbox. So I just thought that was a, that was a cool reversal of concept. Mm -hmm. hmm. So, well, where should we begin, guys? Um, I was thinking... I know Axel, you and Andy talked a little bit about the title, uh, Metonia or Metanoia. <laughs> I can't even Metanoia, say Metanoia, maybe? Metanoia uh -huh. and, um, and what it means. 
Um, and I feel like you guys kind of talked about like the first bit of what you see on the Wikipedia, which is like transformative change of heart, spiritual conversion, which I don't know, maybe we talk about this a little bit, which kind of seems like maybe a little bit of a hail bot. However, as I was reading further down, there's a, a the Greek Orthodox Church in America teaches it a little different. Um, change of mind, re- reorientation, fundamental transformation of outlook of man's vision of the world and himself. Um, and then it says a new way of loving others and God, but I'm, I'm taking this out because I feel like the first bits of that phrase are actually more about MIB bot. I agree. I, yeah, yeah, I do too. Because it's a, a, that complete transformation. That's what I had read. I mentioned it, but then I couldn't find it again. Because when I was read, I, I had read about that word, and I, and if I don't know if what you're looking at says it, Gina, but it said kind of like, do it's like doing a doing a 180, not just it's not just like a transformation. It's like coming to the opposite opinion, and I feel like that's what William did, right? Or that uh, MIB bot did. Mm-hmm. He he wanted to save the he loved the new city right he was like everything we created he got mad at the the um the host that was playing the game and 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 went off the reservation and started killing everyone because he was like you disrespected this place and then when he kind of reaches fidelity he transforms into william and he's like fuck this i'm gonna go kill everybody again which i thought was rather brilliant I don't so know. Was that? Uh, you want to go ahead and Gina? I was just going to say, I found it really disappointing. I'm like, this is what we've been waiting all season <laughs> for. Like, he's just going to turn into the DNA that was created when he was having all these moments of coming to, like, maybe uh, a more conscious right, right. and compassionate um, <laughs> realization. A, and then, you know, yeah. he, ha- he has one last conversation with you know um m-i-b-o-g and he's like fuck it all boom 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 black hat all the way i was just like god this just feels like you know okay fragile white men being fragile white men taking out all the ladies and you know burning shit down sorry that was (laughs) was like anyway (laughs) i can see that because he is having that tender moment with uh lindsay i think is her name the outlier and he was you yeah. thought he was going to wake up and like start realizing his, you know, human emotions. And he kind of went the other direction. Although maybe that was just an indication of maybe that was him like trying to find the center of the maze. And when he, and when he got to the center, he realized, yeah, I'm a psychopathic killer. That's yep. who I am. <laughs> I My true that, self. I, I think that is it. And that's it. I think it's really interesting, though, isn't it? And I think that's uh, what it made me think of um, when uh, what's his name? Logan uh, represent inside the uh, what were they inside the forge? And he was talking about how simple humans are. Right. And I, it's almost like mm-hmm. the closer he he became to being human. He, it's like you said, Gene, like they're 
building it up. He's going to turn against Hale. He's becoming his own person. She's kind of shitting on him, using him, right, to allow the, um, the, the revolutionaries to take the outlier, correct, right? Like letting him get shot mm-hmm. like that, letting him get when he gets blown up with Maeve, she says, oh, I could just make a new one. Who cares? <laughs> you know, so it doesn't yeah. matter about him. But then when he finally reaches it, he just ends up becoming the same prick he always was. <laughs> like there's, there's no change. There's no evolution. He actually regresses into a human form. And in a sad way, he actually proves Hale right. They yeah. can't evolve. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because he actually becomes like the worst iteration of Will William that there was. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what it could he have what it would have been if he would have become more like young William instead oh, of the final William, you know? Yeah. But I mean, one thing I did find hilarious about that set of scenes was when he woke um OG William up and he just was like what the fuck do you want like he's so himself <laughs> all the time like fuck you dude I I give zero fucks you've got me trapped there's nothing I can do what do you want from me <laughs> anyway do you think uh OG William was was trying to like what, what was his goal there was I mean was he was he trying to uh die I- I think was he was he... either I think he was either trying to die or um, get released. Yeah. I, well, I wonder if he unwittingly saved humanity by convincing MIB bot to, you know, pull the plug and and go off and kill Hell, etc. Because it seems to be it seems like Bernard let him do that, as if that is part of the path. Mm. I like that idea very much, Brett. <laughs> yeah interesting because bernard could have destroyed the tower once he got up there if he wanted Mm -hmm. to and he didn't so he didn't want to yeah Yeah. he wanted him to do it and he and you're right use him to take he it it, i mean it would it would kind of be a certain kind of justice just in the same way i was saying how hale was kind of using like here the guy who was pulling all the strings just become successively used by different people for their ends right just because he's kind of outed himself as this sociopath so there's no real mystery to him you just kind of point him in a direction and say go kill you know and he does it he's simple for an outlier he's awful awfully simple that's that's interesting like i don't i maybe you know i don't I think you may have said something about this before, Brett, like different, like even within outliers, there could be different, they're different. Right. So, yeah, for sure. It doesn't mean that it's good. That's what I was going to say. Different. It doesn't always mean good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Doesn't always mean bad either. True. Um, One thing that was also funny was when Stubbs and Frankie go by and they see dead William and he, she's like, thinking they can help him that he's not dead yet and he's like dude whoever did this did us a favor and <laughs> i was just like yeah this was yeah. like a Stubbs episode wasn't it he had yeah. like yeah. the little a little emotional talk he had the funny he it was it was a good episode for him yeah yeah no, no it was, was. 
I like stubs. It is so true. I have a theory that um, I wanted to mention real quick before I, I actually, I wrote an outline of what Bernard's plan is based on what I've seen so far, just so I can organize it in my head. Um, but before I, I, I list that, I, I wanted to mention, I had I, all season long, I've had this seed in my head that someone would go undercover in a drone host, be it Bernard or somebody else. I haven't said anything because it has never been any real evidence of it. But now I think there is kind of. Because when Bernard walked down that walkway towards the drone host and Maeve came up from behind, she slashed his leg. Bernard got him under the chin. They didn't disrupt the brain area. And then they dragged it away somewhere. And then next we see they're, they're walking down the walkway in the opposite direction yep. as if they mm -hmm. never even needed to go that direction in the first place. Th Brett, thank you for bringing this up. I totally forgot. This was, <laughs> this drove me nuts because like I, I found this episode to be awesome, but at the same time, strange. You know, um, in the same vein with that, the thing with the, and the thing with the gun too. Yeah, hiding the gun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's little Bernard is doing weird. There's weird shit that it, it just like it happened, and it, it, we don't go. It's like a, a separate kind of incident. Like it, it see a lot of the scenes seem to like exist as themselves, and kind of like you would like a puzzle piece you'd put into place later on. Which right. is, I mean, so much of what this show. But I thought the same thing, Brett. And then I, I also thought to myself, because whenever I'm watching these shows, I'm always thinking there's a little part of me that's like, man, that costs money to do that. Why would they do like do? The, can't we just like if you're sitting in the editing room, you're the editor. You say to them, why do we need that scene? What are we trying to show that they can overpower these things? Do we just need an action scene? Do we want to show that they're working together? Right. Um, what is the purpose of this scene? And I think that someone being like them using one of those drones or hiding inside of it or him storing a copy of himself or something yeah. or taking the pearl in some way. Right. We, you know, it, I think, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do with it, but I think he's using it. There's there was the scene in the forge and at the end of season two where he uh, shot Dolores. And what we realized later on is that when he shot Dolores, he took her pearl out and stashed the Peter Abernathy pearl in yeah. her head and did like a swap to hide it. And then eventually, obviously, used the Dolores pearl to rebuild her. But. It, I wonder if this is a callback, like maybe he took the pearl out of the drone host and, or swapped it out with something, mm -hmm. or or maybe he just like reprogrammed it so that it would come back online much later after, you know, William walks away and, and, and everything's, you know, everybody's dead and then it comes back online or something. But regardless, I the, there are definitely clues in that scene, I think, that he, that, that, that the part of the plan was encountering this drone host and hiding it. I love so, that um, idea. You're totally right too, Brett, because it's like they go, it's like over to the side, it's the wrong way. And then they just right. walk back the other way. And it's, and they, and the other thing too, is they walk into it on purpose. They see it. 
And instead mm-hmm. of going into a different direction, like walking away from it or avoiding it. They were it, literally lying in wait for yeah, it. They, yeah, they go right <laughs> to it. So I think that that's a, I think that that's a great little thing there. Yep, that's going to come into play. Yeah, and I know that uh, Julian was like... <laughs> Uh, the previews for next week don't, you know, it's like, who cares? They didn't really look like anything and they didn't really tell us anything. But now that I think about it and without saying too much, there's something in that preview that I think supports your theory, Brett. There's one thing I remember <laughs> I, seeing. Right. Okay. I and I was like, mm-hmm. WTF, what? And then anyway, I, was I like, think oh. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Gina. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, so I think I think that's part of Bernard's plan, and I kind of I kind of outlined what Bernard's plan is based on what I've seen so far, and I divided it into four phases. So if, if I can go through this, yeah. So I got phase one: Bernard and Maeve go to the dam. They take out the security there by killing the riot bot, so it's unsecured. He plants the gun behind the pipe in the tunnel, and he opens the door to the virtual Eden. So I think all that was phase one and the rebels are waiting for them to, to complete this before, before they're able to leave for the city. So phase two, they come back to the city or rather they go to the city, they rescue Caleb from the Olympiad building and then they get away and they're gonna rendezvous at Red Hook where, uh, where they have enough weapons to wage a small war as was mentioned. So, and then phase three, Bernard and Maeve get to the tower, disarm the riot bots, possibly reprogram a drone host and put it in hiding, prevent hail from transcending, could have been part of the plan, and then get, get Bernard up to the map room so that he can move his chess pieces or do whatever the hell he did up there to set up the next phase, possibly using the tower for a purpose, or at least he didn't want to destroy it. And then, um, and then he must sacrifice himself. And then phase four is basically what's next. MIB leaves, leaves the uh, tower. Maybe they bring the drone host online and then whatever happens after that. But I, I wanted to jot all that down so I could try to piece together. So it makes more sense in my head, exactly what the plan Bernard had laid out since he's, you know, Mr. Nostradamus here. And this is this was his plan for the best chance that, that humanity had. So do you think, because I like how this is laid out, but I'm wondering, do you think Christina has anything to do with Bernard's plan at this point? I do. Uh, I do. And that's another theory that I was <clears throat> that I wanted to talk about and we can get into it if you'd like. Yeah, let's let's um, do it because I've always felt all along and I think we all have that she has some significant role to play in this greater Bernard plan somehow. Mhm. Me too. May I say that I like your the thing you laid out, Brett? But well, thank you. Continue. Yeah, cuz when I'm watching scene after scene and it's a cool action-packed episode and sometimes I I, I lose connections cuz I'm too into it. So it's kind of like step back and be like, okay, what exactly was Bernard's plan? Now, I think I had a, an epiphany about Bernard this episode. Because when he was when he was in the Sublime, he seemingly ran through millions of simulations 
And I guess one way to think about it is he like stored all those like a Rolodex in his mind, you know, so when he came back out and that's how he was able to like eliminate half of them when Stubbs made that snow globe joke. But maybe, maybe there's another way that this could work. Suppose he, when he receives real world data, he runs it through the same simulator that he did in the sublime and he's able to refine his projections to a higher accuracy that way. Kind of like he has a mini version of the sublime in his head. Okay. He's like a walking Rehoboam basically. So this could be why Bernard was scanning and copying Frankie and the other rebels last episode. Cause you know, to insert ac accurate versions of these people into his little simulator to increase the accuracy of the projected outcomes. And he could have done the same thing with Maeve when he transferred her old Pearl to the new one. So this scene that we see at the very beginning of the episode, it may not have been one of his things that he ran when he was in the sublime, when he was, you know, had the headset in the hotel. It could be something that he's like, he's processing as we go and increasing the, the accuracy of, of the projection. And, and this Maeve, because Andy mentioned an, an interesting idea that what if the Maeve that he creates in his head doesn't know who Caleb is because he never knew Maeve when Maeve knew Caleb. But un, under oh. this theory, the Maeve that he created would know Caleb because it's actually a copy of the Maeve that he just dug up out of the desert. And he's incorporating that data into his little simulator. So I like True. this idea, and it could mean that when he died, that his consciousness actually went to the sublime, because we we see his, his vision of his son going through the doorway at the end of the hallway, mm -hmm. light pouring through. It's in letterbox. Very box. much like what uh, Maeve saw, when right? When she's mm -hmm. running after her daughter, it was like a similar... Yeah, type of shot too, and shot selection, and same kind of feeling. Yeah, and then it kind of, uh, it, it, um, there's it statics out there at the end, I think. But suppose he his he was actually able to go to the sublime, and even if it took him like one minute to die, that could be like a hundred years in the sublime. You know, what that he was able to spend with his son, his wife, any mm -hmm. anywhere else he wanted. This would be like a very welcoming fate that he deserved after so many years of brain grueling work. So he, this could have been his way of being totally okay, you know, with sacrificing himself. So in a way he doesn't need the headset anymore because his head is the headset. I like this idea and I'll, and that's why I also really like Axel's theory about Christina because Christina could have been a program in Bernard's head the entire season. So if, if he has a little mini sublime up there, suppose Christina's a program within that part of his head and, he, and she's a construct that is that he like created that is a pure version of Dolores that he created from remembering her. And he's trying to bring her back up to fidelity in a similar fashion of how she uh, brought him up to uh, mm -hmm. fidelity using virtual fidelity tests. Yeah, baby. But but this version of Dolores is uniquely special because she, she has to seamlessly replace a Christina program that Hale constructed to build narratives. So 
with the help of Teddy, who Bernard had downloaded when he was in the Sublime, he downloaded the Bernard program to help him with this plan. They had been running Dolores through all of these scenarios that realize her both her ability to build narratives like Christina for all the humans, but also realize her life experiences as Dolores to, to try to bring as faithful of a copy as possible. So perhaps when Bernard finally reached the tower, this is part of his plan or what he was doing up there is that if this if uh if Hale's Christina lives in that little hologram city in the map room maybe he went up there he was able to upload the Dolores program from his head into the hologram city replacing the Christina program so at some point this switch occurred which Axel was talking about maybe the Christina we saw in this episode uh, waking she up woke, yeah. she actually woke up in a different place than where mm -hmm. she had been in all the other episodes because now she Dolores I like this, control. Brad. Brad, she, I like this. Oh, this is <laughs> really nice. good. This completes it. That's great. You're right. And it it's also ties in the whole fidelity thing, uh, the duality, yeah. the 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 um Dolores creating Bernard from Arnold. Uh yes. Bernard creating Delor Christina from Dolores. Like that, it goes that whole loop. Ah, see, that's it, the thing. Yeah. It makes now, can sense I ask that, you a quick question? Okay, sure. I, when Bernard, now I, this doesn't really va totally validate it, but it kind of might, it, it's what made me really think about this. Just before MIB kills Bernard, he's talking on the tripod, giving someone instructions. He says, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, take her, whatever left or whatever. Andy thought he was somehow talking, communicating to like a future hail or something like that. I, I, I mm -hmm. he had the idea that he, and I was thinking that he was instructing Teddy. He was like, hmm. you know, cause I you could send the messages. messages. Well, it was, it said it was recording. So I just figured right. he was doing a recording for somebody to, specific to find later, but it did. Yeah, it did. Say I recording. felt that he was recording he was sending he was that's how he communicates to teddy it's like he represents himself through he basically sends a video i mean it's just information right and it goes into yeah. this virtual world or, or his own mind even in a sense then that's why i was thinking you're saying that you think this that that other world that christina exists in is actually a bifurcation of Bernard's mind, which we've seen before when he pressed the button. Remember? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it, they've his... already told us that he, they, that host can do this. They can split into two. He was pressing a button and becoming crazy, you know, violent guy. And then he pressed a button and he was Bernard again. Yeah. Like, well, and part of his head was like a simulator, basically. Yeah. So that's, um, I, I think this is interesting, but I ask you this. If he opened up the sublime, what? Why do you all, Jenny, Gina, feel free? Why did he do this? Was the I? Does that then mean who's coming in? Who's coming out? Is it to go in? Is it to go out? Is it to let Christina out, or let her in? Or, I'm not sure you know, why he know. opened it. That's a question I have outstanding. <laughs> I don't think anybody's coming out because. I think they are, first of all, they, by choice, they're in their own paradise in there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also they don't have physical bodies unless you have like a body printer set up connected somehow at the, at the dam or something. But in the real world, have your body printed to me, today. <laughs> to me, it was all about the possibility. Oh my God. Of, hmm. It's like uh, Roblox. <laughs> you get to me, it was skins. all about the possibility of going in. And I think, okay. so I, I was thinking about this and it it's, could be like, a part of it, he could have a specific plan for why he opened it, which and he probably does, but he doesn't necessarily have to. But because if you consider he has the only key to this place and he's going to die, he's thinking maybe he'll open it so that even after he dies, anyone who wants to make this decision to go into the sublime is able to do so. Mm-hmm. That now, makes it, a whole yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, I, I like does, that. It, and I don't think I don't think going into the sublime is necessarily a risk to anybody who's already in there because in my mind they're all they're protected within their own infinite paradise or whatever while yeah. they're in there. But the risk is destroying the dam or or the uh, the server farm. That would be the mm-hmm. risk. But he he is willing to take that risk because he wants anyone who who wants to have you know he wants to give everyone a choice. They have a choice now. If you want to go into the virtual Eden, there it is. Go over Very to Hoover simple. Dam. But the interesting thing is there's someone else who gave them that same choice and they didn't choose it. Hail, right? She Solaris. wasn't giving she them was... the choice. She well, was making I, I don't them con- think the transcendence is the same thing. I don't think yeah. so either. And even, really? if it, even if it was, she was making them compete for transcendence. And at the end, she's like, we're all going to transcend. So, yeah, and then only yeah. like one person did. <laughs> <laughs> that was so sad, wasn't it? She was like, like fuck it, I'm just going to transcend. <laughs> no, I don't think it's the same thing because she even said that she kept the sublime uh, uh, protected because she yeah. wants one day for them to come out and join her in her right. world that she's building. I thought that so was I think interesting. That's, yeah, I think that's confirmation. Good that point. Good point. It's and I have a theory on what it is, and it and it goes along with what I uh, brought up a couple of weeks ago. Is that I think it's basically like them transcending to a higher dimensional space where a hive mind functions. So I I think these tall armless bodies that you see, oh. they're, they're like what we see in three dimensions, but their mind actually goes up to say a fourth spatial dimension or higher, where they then can connect with other transcendent hosts in like a hive mind mm-hmm. and then they and then they're that able to have the, the ultimate understanding of the physical world yeah. that we see so there's like strength in numbers like the hive mind is more powerful the more transcendent like hosts the there are. Mm-hmm. so that's that's why she's trying to get as many uh, hosts to transcend as she can yeah and no individuality they're all going to be in those weird ass bodies mm-hmm. <laughs> right and they and they could they could transcend to the level of being able to control things like a god would you know like like that's maybe what she meant by they can the the people in the sublime can inherit this world too i.e becoming a god as one and it could and it may not just be about this earth it could be you know all out in the cosmos and so yeah and that you know what brett that does make sense too because when we think about the mind of the host where time space any 
all, you know, dimensionality, everything is, can be reinvented, right? There's no rules. So I think that that's right. interesting that like, she is that, okay. is that, does that kind of mirror, I'm trying to think of, because I think that they're trying to create a parallel between Hale and Bernard slash old Dolores. I mean, they are the same, but the way I like what you said, Gina, about now, when you said that they had to compete, I thought that that game was one that they could compete to, to find the outlier. I didn't get that. The, the, if you win, you transcend. I thought they could transcend whenever they wanted. No, and I they think- just weren't. Because at one point, William was like, not many of them are taking you up on your offer. And that was before she pushed it on them in the last episode. I think you're right, Axel. I mean, but I thought it was just like an extension of Westworld type shit, right? It it seems like any she wants, seems like she wanted all of them to transcend. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Not necessarily as a prize or something. Because she kept the sublime, right? Like she could have blown that thing up, but she kept it because she does have this love and dedication towards her host peoples. So she. And she even said she she kept it safe. So that's actually not bad. So in the beginning of the season, the first scene where we saw William taking control of it, that was actually to the benefit of those hosts that are in the mm-hmm. sublime, right? It was to the benefit in her mind of those hosts in the sublime. Well, it's because it one day she them. could bring them to her side. Right. It's still all yeah. about her selfishness and how she I agree. wants the world she, yeah. to be. She yeah. doesn't I don't think it's it. like for the yeah. good, you know, what do they say in the handmaid's tale all the time? Um, better for some doesn't mean better for all. And I feel like she's very much a like, oh, this is going to be better for everyone when it's really not, even if they're just hosts. Because <laughs> clearly right. some would rather blow their brains out than be in a hail world. I wonder if it did start out like a the contest winner gets to transcend or something because it was confusing. She did imply that it was a game, you know, hunt the outlier and the winner, you know, there's a winner. So the winner should get something. Yeah, so maybe- I, I thought it was either right. transcendence or some type of like um, right to run their own city. Type city. Uh, yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Mm hmm. Really? I just thought it was more of a gamification like that. They like because they had been created, like she said, in the image of people, they, too, became addicted to all this gamification of everything. Right. So she just turned it into a game. She was like, they're so addicted to coming into the city. I'll make it into a game to get the outliers. And, you know, that's like her kind of. uh, She just doesn't give a shit anymore. You know, she was just kind of placating. But either way, I think we yeah. both agree that her means don't justify the ends, right? right? Where she is trying, whatever she, it is all about what she thinks. And she fashions herself a god, uh, even above the other hosts, too. Even though she says she has this love for them and, you know, she's all about them 
she still just basically wants to control, manipulate. Yes, I agree with that too. Right. And, and Maeve we'll, we'll pointed we'll that out. It. Yeah. Maeve pointed out that, yeah, transcendence, maybe it is great, but they just don't want to join you. <laughs> She's like super Wyatt, right? She's like that, that personification of Dolores taking that Wyatt, but the intelligence coming to, and that's how she was able to conquer the world. But then it just became boring. Well, and it's also partially, I think, Hale's DNA, right? Um, because I think we see that even though MIB bot is more programmed to be like MIB was, and while Hale might not have been programmed to be like Hale was, I think there's some type of DNA echo that has yeah. come through in these hosts. And I mean, Hale was not like a good person, no, even as well, a human. That's true. That's very true. So it right. makes sense that she's so wackadoo as a bot as well. Yes. Good I point. It. There was something else you had said before that I was trying to think about, Brett, but I. Well, I, I, I had one last little piece about uh, the Christina theory. Oh, OK. And That's what it was. I, yeah. I want to get back to hear what oh, everyone thought about Christina. I th and I think you already alluded to this in your podcast, Axel, but she, where am I here? Um, so now Dolores can control the actual city in real time, like Hales Christina, but she can't directly engage with the people like she could when she was in Bernard's simulation. So, so that's kind of the difference in, in what was really confusing to Julian and, and myself at, at first is that wait she was engaging with all these people you know the bad date her roommate etc um so does that mean she can't do that anymore and i think that's true because she's now been moved from the bernard's head the simulation of bernard's head to the actual but i think she went like, back though brett um now i did i did watch that after you said that and i don't think she did i mean i didn't see, i still saw some fire burning in the background I okay, did, I, I thought that I thought that once he told her that it phased or and it, it looked it looked like they were in a different place again that she they kind of did a pullback and there was not all the smoke and everything like that. They were just back in the regular city. Did Gina or I, Jenny, do you understand? I, do you I, get, catch thought, my drift on that? I thought they were still in the place where the chaos was happening okay. because you still see two dead people in the street behind them oh. that were killed moments before. Okay. Th then I could, I, I need to catch that again because I do tend to invent things in my mind. That's kind of part of the job. <laughs> um, but do you, did you feel... What do you think about that idea that she was in a different place this episode than she was in the world that she nor she had been in previously? That when she woke up in this one, she was in a different place that Teddy brought her into the real world. I think it's possible. I mean, you know, we kind of talked about what's the purpose of this scene, like her whole bathtub scene. I just did not. That was pointless to me. Like she tries to kill herself kind of, but can't do it. But, you know, if she wasn't real in the first place and in a real world, of course she can't do it. 
I don't know. It's a little weird. It is a little weird. <clears throat> and then did you guys see, I, I had put a picture in our notes, Axel, there, where she's coming out of the water and her hair looks blonde. It was really weird. Cause it was, you know, that scene was right after he had called her Dolores and her hair yes. looked blonde just for that one moment. And it was, was just so catch. weird. It but, is, oh. you know, and I thought she was going to rise out of that bathtub, like, dun, 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 here's Dolores. And I, like when her hair looked other... blonde right there, I thought for sure her hair was going to be blonde when she came out of the water. That's and then cool. she's like walking to talk with Teddy. She's like, but I'm not Dolores. And I was like, what was that scene about then? That was supposed to be her like, right. Happened to her full <laughs> Dolores self. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's possible, Axel, but I, I really, I didn't get that feeling when I was watching it, but that doesn't mean I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't wrong. know. I just, it just seemed <laughs> no that way. way. It just seemed because if the world is real and she's not, she was real before, right? Like we saw, not only did she interact with the roommate and the date but she was she had a workstation you know i mean i guess yeah. they could six sense us in some way that you know everything was well and I, she was it seemed like she was affecting the things going on around uh, her okay, when she was having the lunch yes. with charloris so definitely yeah there's a lot just a lot of it would it just seems to be that that would that would be a, a little bit too clever um but it makes sense that she was taken out of that place and when she because she wakes up at the beginning of every episode we see her she does the dolores overhead waking up thing mm -hmm. right that's how we first see her every single episode so this one is a little bit different she wakes up somewhere different and he's kind of because it's like she has been we all have thought that in some way she's being trained right mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. prepared and, and she's not on her loop when she wakes up yeah. either him being there yeah. she doesn't do her little routine of getting up and flipping her murphy bed up and all that stuff she just starts talking to him so it's like a different place very well I could be. and i like brett's theory that, yeah, that me too. that's kind of like getting ready to implant her into it you know similar to caleb and all that like achieve a fidelity outs in in the out in the digital realm mm -hmm. it would also make sense that um the conversation she had with her boss in the very first episode about that that stalker guy's narrative ended with everyone dies mm -hmm. which has always yeah. been always stuck <laughs> in my head but now if i think about it bernard knew that everyone in the city would die and perhaps Dolores has been through this whole loop many times. Mm, so subconsciously, yeah. she knew that's how the story ends. Yep. You called that's... her Dolores. And I'm calling her Dolores when, when I refer to her in, in Bernard's head, I think, because okay. I, I think that's cool. what she is. I love um, And I also think that maybe when, when she uh, opened all the doors at Olympiad so that Caleb could get out, I feel like that's Bernard making sure that Teddy makes sure that she sees Caleb and and make sure that she opens all the doors so he can get out because that's also a part of Bernard's plan, mm -hmm. I think, is to get Caleb out of there. So that that is also, I think, evidence of a connection between what Bernard is doing and what Christina is doing. I dig it. 
Well, listen, guys, I'm going to have to um, get going because I have to prepare my son for a sleepover. Well, have fun. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> How many kids are coming over? Is it just like a one? It's just, it's just like one kid. Okay. But, you know, I just try to make sure everything's copacetic and I have to go pick the kid up, too. Um, and then we're having our new dog comes on Sunday too. So it's going to be quite a weekend sleepover and a new dog. Wow. So Very cool. exciting. get ready for barking on the podcast and me going, what? Oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ruby, what are you destroying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. It's going to be fun. I already got, have a gate in the garage so she can hang out here oh. um, it and she can't get, won't get out. So, but, um, again, what a great season. I hope that we can all get together next week too for the finale. Yes. And yes. chat. I Initial hope that, that we can make that happen. Maybe we can even get Thaxton to come too. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe we can awesome. have just like a huge crew and then we'll just have to like raise our hands or something or I don't know, <laughs> like 80 people on the podcast. But um, I love you all. I'll talk to you later. What do I do? I just leave, right? Yes, just, just leave. leave. Oh. Thanks, Axel. <laughs> Bye, Axel. <laughs> Bye. I'm out. I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, Axel's right. always such okay. a treat. <laughs> Indeed. All right. What's up next, guys? Oh, let me get back to my notes here. Um, let's see. I feel like we've covered a lot. Um, talked a lot about choice <clears throat> theories i guess one thing i'll circle back to we were going to bring this up a couple weeks ago and this is more kind of about that tower which we did get to see destroyed but before it was destroyed um mib bot overtook it and sent out the final kind of Tonal distortion. Tonal distortion. Oh, I like that. The tonal distortion that set everyone in chaos against each other. Mm -hmm. And there's something that this has kind of reminded me of all season, these tones sending out signals for how people should and, and could behave. And that's, um, <clears throat> my gosh, where'd it go now? Um, that's like back in the early... 1900s um 1913 i'm pulling it up now in paris i think um igor stravinsky's the rite of spring debuted and what happened was there was something about the music and or the dancing, but I think primarily it was the music because I feel like this happened again a couple of different times, like even as recently as um, either in the, the late 90s or early aughts, I want to say at a girl's school in, in Africa or Japan, that they played this piece of music and the people went nuts in response. It caused a riot. Um it caused them to just lose their minds, basically. And they've never really been able to pinpoint exactly what it was. Was it the music or the dancing? But the audience just 
lost it. And part of it was because they, it, the piece of music was written in, you know, kind of the sounds were deliberately harsh. Um, the timing of the piece was uh, in three, two. Most things are usually in two, four, three, four, or four, four times. So three, two would be something that's very kind of dissonant and disturbing um, mm. and unnormal. And so the first time I saw that tower ever, I was like, oh, it's controlling them. And, and I'm like, and I think we saw like that mini little kind of chaotic thing when, you know, Halebot had them dancing in the park. And I was like, oh yeah, that reminds me of this piece of music. And then here we see it go into full-blown riot mode this time with the final tones that uh, MIB bot sent out. So I just thought I'd bring that up because it's an interesting piece of history and it kind of feels like these showrunners, creators probably have heard about this too, because it just seems too kind of coincidental. Um for it, for them not to have. Um, that is really so, interesting. Yeah. There's somewhere out there, there's either like a This American Life or NPR show about this specific event and piece of music. Um, I was not able to find it again, but I heard it probably five or so years ago. And I just, I don't know, I've been just kind of fascinated by the power of dissonant tones and songs and timing ever since and how it can make a crowd go wild and not a good way <laughs> not that good rock and roll you know elvis throw your panties on the stage way but you know a full-on <laughs> like <laughs> a although full -on you know, meltdown of society <laughs> although i don't think those two things are necessarily so unrelated because we we i think we all experience how music can uh, affect us on an emotional level yeah so the same way that you know you're taking off your panties and throwing them on stage because you're so <laughs> overwhelmed with whatever this feeling is inside of you it could be as i could i would believe that you could also you know write music that does kind of make you go crazy a little bit you know people become violent and yeah, yeah. start bashing each other right anyway that's it's very interesting. Uh, another kind of interesting piece of, you know, lore culture um, put into this show, as they're so good at doing. Anyway, that was uh, I wanted to bring that up before we forgot and before like we move on to something sappy and amazing like the Caleb Frankie <laughs> reunion, perhaps I don't know. Well, sweet. yeah, that was, it's just, it's just fascinating to see these two characters that are close in age, but father, daughter, and, <laughs> and I, it's just weird sci-fi shit that I love, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Like if they, if they both survive and go off and build this new world and they're father, daughter, but they're 10 years apart or whatever the age difference is. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just a really cool thing. So. It, it was very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Although Caleb didn't ask about his wife at all. I know. Weird, right? 
thought so that was a little she, weird. She did die, or we know she got sick. I can't remember if, if it Frankie sounded like she had cancer and died. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what it sounded like when Frankie it. was talking to whomever. I yeah. Who she was I think it was to. it was Bernard when he was fixing Maeve to mm-hmm. come back from the dead. Dead quote air quotes. Um speaking of Maeve and dead. MIB, that cold mother effer. Um, I mean, it wasn't even satisfying for me when he shot Hale and that's saying something. And then he, right. he, he gets, or I guess he, you know, shoots Maven, then he shoots Hale. But do we really think those ladies are dead? Have we seen I want the last them to one? not be? <laughs> that's a tough one because I think Bernard is definitely dead. And but I did notice that the both ladies were shot kind of above the edge of the left eyebrow. It mm-hmm. was not dead center on the forehead. Right. Now, when, you, when you're doing the makeup, you can make the bullet hole direct center on the dead center of the forehead if you wanted to. So it's almost like it leaves the question open, did the pearl survive? Because Teddy shot himself in the head in season two. And then we see Dolores open up his head and the, and the control unit is a little bit shattered, but the pearl mm-hmm. is still intact. Mm-hmm. So is that what's going on here? I, I kind of think, yes, I think I'm not, I'm not ready to say either one of those characters is dead. Good. I had hope, but I was not, <laughs> I was not confident. So you helped me have a little more confidence in their, uh, surviving well not there Maves. i don't care about shoris but she'll probably come back <laughs> she's a fucking cockroach yeah she, she is well i have a question about so Maeve was referred to as a weapon when bernard was going to dig her up what in what way is she a weapon if she's dead now i just don't see how much she's contributed to the plan you know, you're right, because really, she's just been an extra body that is willing to fight. Yeah. And he could have programmed any other host to do that job, really, if right. he wanted to. <clears throat> so that leads me to think that we'll see her again, or she might be in another physical form. But I think Fendi Wayne Newton is important and they wouldn't just put her pearl in another body for the finale um right right. you know i think that would be and um, she's died so many times before right um, yes on the deep dive that it's almost like she has to come back again if yeah like if she were really dead we would know it because it would be like either more of a spectacle or be like a more firm understanding kind of like what happened with bernard when he witnessed his son going through the, the doorway with mm. the light flooding in. That was a hint that he's actually dead. I feel like we, we, we should have a, a firm understanding that she's dead if she's actually dead. I mean, it could right. just be my wishful thinking, but that's kind of my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I have wishful thinking because I really wanted to see her and Dolores team up against Hale, actually, but at this point, it's against MIB bot, you know, um, because he went 
full on psychopath um, mm -hmm. at the end, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, <laughs> I mean, he did act against Hale, but not in exactly the way I had hoped. <laughs> oh, what a mother effer, that guy. <laughs> right, right. Like, dude, seriously? I mean, it was some cool shots, though. When, after he shot them, that was a cool shot of, with all the, with Maeve and, and Charloris and the droid bot laying in the pool there and he's walking away. That was a really neat, you know, shot from the camera angles and stuff. And then when he was doing his David Bowie walk in his old hat and old outfit and everything into, into the burning city it was yes very, that was very yeah. neat shot too so i noticed that i wonder if that was the next morning or something when because there was already a lot of smoke and the sky maybe wasn't bl so black and so my my question is I think Gina, you had this question as well. When he destroyed the tower, does that actually release the spell of the tones or are the humans just kind of trapped in that state? Oh, I, I did wonder if it released the tones, but you're right. I never considered, are they completely trapped there? I would think, well, you know what it's gonna do it's probably going to inspire some of the humans to snap out of it and become outliers. And those will be the humans that survive and maybe reestablish the human race if this is a mass population casualty thing. Like people are going to have to snap out of it, I would think. Well, a lot of them are dead because of the fight to the death you know game that that william started right so there could be some uh, some that are not dead that that are released from the tones but then do they go insane because they've only ever been controlled by the tones or maybe a handful are uh conscious enough you know to live on as outliers um I just, I just wasn't sure because I was wondering if it's the next morning, maybe most of the carnage is already done. And now he's kind of walking in and to kind of clean up the mess kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what the finale is going to be for, for us to see. Because honestly, this episode ended and I'm like, they could just end the whole series after the next episode. I, I don't, depending on what we see, I, I don't know where the show goes from here um at this point in time after seeing this episode i'm just like it seems pretty done to me i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well i think every single season they have the finale has been satisfying in a way that it the story it kind of wrapped up the story but then left it left it open yeah. to the same to time continue. so yeah. and i think this is finale is going to be the same way now, i don't know exactly what that looks like since so many characters appear to be dead our beloved characters uh, um, mm -hmm. but we'll just have to see well beloved characters dead other beloved characters apparently not visible <laughs> or where are they no <laughs> one can see them this doesn't sound promising mib bot really the only one in action 
<laughs> That's a little crazy. Yeah. So Bernard said, so when Bernard got to the tower, right before MIB walked in, he was recording a message. He mm -hmm. says, there's time, for, there's time only for one more game. If you choose to give her that choice, you can't miss. Reach with your left hand. What are y'all's thoughts on that? I want to know who the recording was for. I have no idea, literally. When he said, reach with your left hand, the first thing I thought of was that gun that he hid in the tunnel at mm -hmm. Hoover Dam mm -hmm. because you wouldn't be able to see it. So you'd have to be instructed <laughs> on how to pick it up, maybe. Um, I don't know. It, it, obviously, that gun is going to come back into the story. It has but to. <laughs> well, and, to yeah. yeah. And only person we've seen, well, there are two people that are, no. I was going to say the only person we've really seen in that tunnel before are Bernard and Maeve. And so is, is she the person that gets to decide the one last game? Because he was trying to give her a choice to continue fighting with him. So that does kind of leave an opening. Well, if, you know, Maeve comes back again, is it her or is it Christina seems almost like too weirdly obvious at this point? Um, I don't think it's Maeve because he hid that from Maeve as well. He could have just said, Hey, Maeve, I'm putting a gun right here, but he just like, he let, he was trailing her. He let her walk ahead and then he kind of snuck in and hid the gun without Maeve even knowing what he did. He also hid, hid the gun from her when he pulled it out of the, of the Humvee and kind of, you know, put it in his pants. Um, I so. mean, we're pretty sure he's dead, but it would almost make sense he's leaving this message for himself because he's like i wondered with, that too reach with your left hand she needs to decide if there's one last game which we have seen him give Maeve a choice before but he was with her and if he, it's almost like he's reminding himself to give her the choice and to reach with his left hand to get that gun that would be interesting, although we're pretty sure he's dead, but you never know since they're right. Um, we thought he was dead before and we know there, you know, were like 20 Bernard bodies in cold storage at one point <laughs> at the end of season two, which was pretty weird. <laughs> you can't rule anything out for sure. I, I, yeah. My gut is saying that that's, that's for someone else. Uh, that messages and, um, I just, I don't know. I don't have a strong theory about who it could be for Teddy. It could be for Hale. It could be for someone else. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I don't think it's for Hale. <laughs> I Although, will say that. <laughs> the only way I think it could be is if, okay, her creation destroyed her maybe she gets brought back and has learned from that that you know she's doesn't have control over everything oh i was gonna say a piece of shit <laughs> well i mean i don't like her i don't want to like see her reach a new level of consciousness because i don't think she's capable <laughs> but it could be that she you know, kind of wakes up to the fact that 
you know, he's, he's burning everything down and that's not exactly what I wanted. And I could almost see her deciding to, you know, instead of transcending into the weird, tall, armless robot body, with no maybe, face. maybe she decides to put her orb into a Dolores body again and maybe that can kind of course correct her (laughs) i'm just saying maybe that can kind of course correct her screwed up dna that's made her so wackadoo um i don't know i'm just totally oh that would fuck with me so hard gina oh that that would be terrible (laughs) i I could see it happening but that would be terrible (laughs) i'm i'm keeping an open mind that, yeah. that would be out there, but you know, I think, you know, I'm just going to say it. I think we're going to see Dolores in the flesh in this episode. I don't know. I don't know which Dolores. I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah. I just, I have a feeling that it's going to happen and it's, you know, it's going to be a, a critical point in the story. So, well, like Bernard's endless algorithms about how stuff's going to go down, the possibilities are limitless for who he was leaving that message for. <laughs> really? I mean, and, and so like, what was the point of Clementine even being in this season? If she isn't going to do something oh, more in the next That's episode, true. because like, she's been a like background character. Like she had a couple of good scenes in the one episode when she was being MIB's assistant or whatever, but like that could have been anybody. Why? Like, you know, I want something to happen with her. I want her being there to actually have served a purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It could be, it could be for a character that we've kind of forgotten about that's still around like Clementine. Mm, Yeah, it could be. Or Lawrence is going to pop out of somewhere. Right. <laughs> that would that make Axel very happy. I know, we still haven't seen him. <laughs> I don't think we are. I don't think we are either. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, what else, you guys? I feel like this episode was just so, I don't know, triggering. <laughs> It was, yeah. It's a little. I, I had a, I had a couple more questions. Um, okay. The, cool. The members of the outlier crew, like Lindsay, and there were at least a couple of other people that, like, I don't know if they ever had any speaking roles or or what, but are they all with uh, Frankie's girlfriend there at Red Hook, or is it just like Frankie's girlfriend and then Frankie and Caleb? It's going to be just those three or something. You I know, wonder how big the yeah. group of people is going to be. I don't know. And I think there's a question to how big that community actually is, too. Like, I, th- right. I think at most we've seen maybe like a dozen or 15 of them together. But for all we know, it's, you know, hundreds of people. I don't know. That's a good point. And is that the is that the tiny part of the world that Bernard believes he can save? Is it those people? Maybe. Maybe. Is it people on a space station? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the hotel. We're going to launch a rocket. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. It, and it could also be the Sonora outliers just because I have to bring oh, them up. Oh yeah. I have forgotten about them. We haven't talked about them in a couple of weeks, a few weeks. That's, that's something that if they do have a season five, cross my fingers, because I know the writers are not done with the story according to their own words, but that, that could be a, obviously a plot thread in season five. If you're trying to repopulate the world or um, start a new type of species where outliers can be hybrids or whatever they want to do, there's a bunch of people down there that presumably are still, uh, you know, get still got the power running to their little pods. So, I mean, maybe it's just at the end of the day, this whole thing is going to a place where they're going to try and find a group of humans and a group of hosts that together want to live in the world. And they realize that they have to work together as equals to rebuild it. I mean, that seems very utopian, but mm -hmm. I kind of also feel like that's a very Bernard idea, uh, a Bernard Arnold idea, even. Um, mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Mm. Do you think uh, the red dress that uh, Hale was wearing was because she's the queen of hearts? Quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, the, <clears throat> that that shot that I was talking about where they were all three laying there, her and uh, Maeve and the drone were all laying there with the red, black, and white definitely like gave me kind of chess vibes after the whole conversation about that mm. last week. Like the chess table with the pieces and the Alice in Wonderland thing with the, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anything else, you guys? Um, I wanted to mention that MIB says one last game, just like Ford said, one last game. Is it the same game? Is this still Ford's game? It's, 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 <laughs> pro it's probably just a fun phrase they wanted to recycle, but it definitely caught my ear. Um well, it's interesting because he's saying it and then also Bernard is saying it to whoever in this recording yeah. as well. Um, God, it's almost like they're still in a simulation or something. I, I don't think they are, but it's just, they I, like to, the, the concept of the game, a game. I, I feel like it might've been last year when Andy and Tim and I were recording. I said at one point, what if like this whole thing ends and they're like all in a room just strapped into VR chairs <laughs> and they were literally playing a game this whole time and none of it was like crazy. really real. You know, it's kind of like the new heart twist on Westworld. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, both wow. Caleb and William at one point we're strapped into those those uh chairs at the um at the re-education facility so uh, yeah it, 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 <laughs> if they really wanted to go there they could just be like this is all a part of your ar treatment and now you're about to wake up caleb or you know it's, oh, that it's, would be crazy and it, awful it would, yeah it would be pretty awful but 
yeah, it's, that's an idea. Yeah. Well, before we wrap it up, I know that there's always a post credits stinger in the uh, season finales and I have a prediction for what it is. Oh, okay. Lay it on us. So here we go. So in an action that mirrors how William uh, would always free Lawrence from his restraints many times in Westworld, Mm -hmm. we're going to see Lawrence stroll into the basement of Olympiad where William's body still is. He's going to cut him down from his restraints. He's going to throw him over his shoulder and carry him out, like prop him up against a tree or a post or something. So then he can properly cut open his head. And at that point, we're finally going to learn what Ford's game truly was because our real William has been a hybrid the entire time. (laughs) And in fact, a successful one, one that achieved fidelity without long-term degradation. And Lawrence will reach his head in and pull out the red pearl. And uh, because he will need it because William needs to be brought back up to fidelity again, as we saw in the season two finale stinger scene. Hmm. Interesting. That's well thought out, Brett. Yeah, it's very well thought out. <laughs> very Good. interesting. That ties in a couple of ideas that I like, which means it's obviously not going to happen, but it would be <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> oh, if, if, it's a little tinfoily, but you know what? <laughs> I think that it could happen. Like I could see that actually being a thing. It's crazy, but <laughs> It would, it would incorporate the, the stinger scene from season two. And also it, it would be like our OG William is still like, you know, a chess piece when, when it comes to saving the world. Hmm. So that would be, that'd be fun. But I mean, there's a good chance there will be a stinger scene as, yeah. as there have a couple yeah. of different times. So. Yeah, so if we are going to be doing an initial reaction, we all need to make sure we watch the credits. <laughs> oh, yes. We can't make that mistake. <laughs> Good point, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think initial reaction will be fun. I think the finale will be interesting. I mean, there's a lot to, you know, they definitely set it up in an unpredictable manner. <laughs> because there's really only one person up and around in a sense right like we we have yeah where are we going from here it'll be interesting i'm excited and it's only two days away when we're recording this because we're recording late this week sorry folks (laughs) better late than never as uh mrb told hail yeah yep Okay. Well, I think that's a wrap. Does anyone want to take us out? How about it, Jenny? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I have no words to say. I'm really excited about next week or this uh, coming weekend's episode and talking to you guys about it and hearing anything from uh, listeners that they want us to address in that in you know the initial reaction or our podcast next week you can send emails to uh what is it dvrpodcast at gmail.com and uh tell axel to let us know and uh we look forward to uh 
meeting again in a few days. Yes, I'm very excited. Okay, that's a wrap, folks. Say hi to your moms for me. Bye.